Welcome to Midnight at the Monster Museum. I'm Tom, this is Jeff, and this is episode number five. Welcome to Midnight at the Monster Museum. And uh, so, Jeff, tell me, what's happened at the museum this week? Anything going on? Any any weird customers, great customers? Uh, we had a pseudo customer. He didn't really qualify as a customer since he didn't actually spend any money. But he came in and was insisting that the spider gremlin was, was from it, as he's telling his family so boldly. And uh, so, of course, I corrected him and said, well, I was actually the spider gremlin from Gremlins 2. And he looked at me and he says, from it, yeah? <laughs> no, it's the spider gremlin from Gremlins 2. Are you sure? I'm positive, man. That's from, from Gremlins 2. Did, did you point him to the action figures <laughs> of the spider gremlins? I from actually gremlins did, too? yeah. But uh, he's like, because it looks like the spider from it. No, it's the gremlin from Gremlins 2. The spider gremlin from Gremlins 2. And then he went, I think it's the spider from it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you could look to your left and read the information right there. It's like, because that's that actually is the screen you're saying, and there's a clip right there or the picture from the movie. And uh, so we looked around. He came over to the facade that will be our new entrance to the to the museum, and and says, uh, "So, what's this right here? Is this the entrance? <laughs> that's the doorway from yeah. Gremlins too." And I says, "No, I says uh, the entrance is going to be over here, where you know where the museum thing is located." And he goes, "Oh, okay, okay." I think so this is the entrance. <laughs> so then, then no, and he says, "So that's not the entrance." No, sir, that is not the entrance. As they were coming in, he was already discussing that it was thirteen dollars to go in. Yeah. And so then he says, "So can we go in the museum?" And uh, and I says, "Well, yeah." I says, "Sure." I says, "You know, it's thirteen dollars the general admission." Do you mean we can't go in? I go, "No, <laughs> certainly you can go in." He goes, "But it costs money." I was like, "Yes, it costs money. <laughs> How much is it?" It's thirteen dollars, man. It goes okay. Well, so we go in through here, and he points over to the door. No, sir. And uh, I, I, I'm looking for you, man, because I think somebody's pulling one on me. <laughs> I think I'm getting f with. And uh, then ultimately, he did not go in. Oh. Uh, but uh, yeah. So. Well, you know what? You don't have to spend money to enjoy your time at the Monster Museum. Just leave us a good review. <laughs> But uh, that's awesome. Um, and uh, what else is going on? You got anything else going on? Uh, well. No. <laughs> no, no, nothing. We had Mother's Day special today. Be on the lookout for those kind of things because he likes to do them. So uh, I've got a couple. I got a couple things that we're going to go into here. And first, it, we're going to have our flashback feature. Don't tell me you're leaving. 
the demons. Rest assured, we've got something wonderful planned for you. Night of the Demons, which is a cult classic, favorite of mine, one of the greatest late 80s demon romp movies of all time. But uh, my first question for you is, who's cooler? <laughs> Angela from Night of the Demons or Angela from Sleepaway Camp? Well, that's the thing is, is I have to go with Sleepaway Camp just because Angela isn't in it as Angela that much in Night of the Demons. And, mm. and I actually find her actually kind of, uh, I think it's funny because in the movie, they all talk about how she's this weirdo and stuff like that and how she's freaky and stuff. And I found that she's actually one of the more normal characters in the movie for the short time that she's in the movie is Angela. And she, I actually really dig her. And I, of all the people, I wouldn't mind kicking it with her in the <laughs> movie. But, uh, but as far as movie characters, I got to go with Angela from Sleepaway Camp because, you know, she's got a much longer lineage uh, to go from. Okay. From Based on practical effects alone, I think I would say. Night of the Demons, Angela. <laughs> well, you, you didn't really qualify the question, man. <laughs> hey, there's no going, rules in I'll who's cooler. Who is cooler to hang out there's with? There's no rules in who's cooler. Hey, Mimi Kincaid, who played Angela, goes by Amelia as well. Niece of Rue McClanahan, of Golden Girls fame. So That's she's the niece of Blanche. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. And you know, a little bit of those easy jeans might have slipped down the chain. So that's kind of... <laughs> Blanche was a hussy. Golden girl character. Oh, right. But you know, it's a weird thing about the Golden Girls. You don't think about B. Arthur not being... Um, what's her name in it? <laughs> Doris. No, Dorothy. Dorothy. Yeah. Well, I just think it's B. Arthur, so Blanche is Blanche to me. I never would have known her real name. Anyway, that's awesome. <laughs> all right, Night of the Demons, one of the greatest movies of all time, oftenly confused with uh, Mario ba Ma Umberto Bava's Demons, um, but uh, totally two different. completely, totally, totally different, great demon movies. Halloween um, Night at Hall House, basically. Yeah, yeah. so uh, the cool... the. If you guys have not seen Night of the Demons, you should get out there and see it. I would say, watch out. There's going to be a remake because they're remaking all this crap. But they yeah, already remake. did. Well, they could still do and, it. And they did, but they did it kind of mildly. We'll get into that. But uh, the idea is you got a bunch of kids. They're going to go party. Where else? An abandoned funeral home. And it happens to be on sacred, evil, some kind of ground. Why are funeral homes always, you know? Well, this is what I think is hilarious about it is that. Ooh, I got something. Who's cooler? Night of the Demons or Night Shift? See, when you say Night Shift, I think of the Henry Winkler, Michael Keaton movie. That's what I'm talking oh, about. Okay. Well, there's another... They're both in an abandoned okay. morgue. Actually, oh, yeah, that's right. They're... No, they're not. What, a one... working morgue. Yeah, they... What if it's the same morgue? What if that is on evil grounds and they abandon it and then Night of the Demons come? I think Night Shift is an unofficial... They can't have their prostitution. An unofficial <laughs> prequel to Night of the Demons. <laughs> I just well, there's it. also Stephen King's Night Shift, too. Oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking. When but that's like mines and giant rat bats and stuff. Yeah, that's well, yeah, but when you said that, it has nothing to we're do doing horror movies, movies nothing stuff, to I do thought that's what you were actually talking oh. about. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, Michael Keaton's done some crazy things. That movie's great. I love it. Yeah. All right. Night of the Demons. Kids go to the morgue. Things go awry. There's demons. Demons everywhere. And they look, they're awesome. Makeup effects were out of oh, this world. Oh, absolutely phenomenal. We had uh, Steve Johnson kind of headed it up, but there was some other great artists working with him. I'll never forget the scene. You're going to ask me my favorite scene later. And I'm well, no, tell no, no, I'll, I'll tell it then. Let, let's get the basic information out of the way, yeah. though. Directed by, you don't know. Yeah, I do. Kevin Tinney. Yeah. Of course. Of which board fan? Of, which board a, of a million. Oh, yeah. Like, oh. he's, so I sat with Kevin Tinney and he screened his latest movie, which I forget the title. This was a couple of years ago in Indiana, and it was, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, man, it had a theme park in it, I think. 
It was awesome though. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin is a cool motherfucker. You gotta keep that in there, right there. You have to keep that. <laughs> yeah, but that sounds terrible. Anyway, you can do what you want. Do what you will, producer Waleed. All right. So, uh, how many times are you guys referencing me? Am I allowed to talk? <laughs> no, cut that out. <laughs> written by Joe Augustine, who, as far as I know, he only wrote None of the Demons. Night of the Demons 2. And part three. Yeah, well, that's what I'm getting there. Yeah. <laughs> Night Angel. Oh, more nights. And then Exit. That's the name of the movie. <laughs> How ironic is that? <laughs> A bunch of nights and he doesn't want to see daytime. It's an exit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. But uh, real quick, starring uh, Kathy Podwell. Of course. She's so hot. Yeah, so hot in the movie. Only feature film she ever made. First, first feature film and last hey, feature film. That's it. Yeah, and she she did TV work after yeah. that, but only one. And you got Linnea Quigley in there. Oh, well, yeah, get her in. Sorry, only because so easy to talk about right, her. Of course, well, you got Amelia Kincaid, which we brought up already. She uh, she went by Mimi, even including this movie, and then she got uh, the gig on Young and the Restless, and then she changed her stage name to Amelia. That's crazy. Yeah, and then how long was she on Young and the Restless? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know either. That's crazy. I, like that. I had no idea that she went on to do soap operas. Yeah. Uh, well, the funny thing too is when I was when I was a kid and I saw that and I saw Mimi in the first one. And then she looked different in the second and third one, just, you know, I guess yeah. age. I thought she was a different person. I thought she was like her sister or something. And I, and I was like. Actually, I remember that same thing. I thought it was her sister. Yeah. That's so weird. <laughs> we both thought. I, didn't, I, I haven't thought of that in probably 20 years. But yeah. I, th I totally remember binging those movies back in the VHS days and being like, huh. It's not her. Right? Yeah, they, they just got so, you know, because I remember like an Iron Eagle, they, it wasn't the same guy's name, but they got a lookalike for Jason Gedrick for, yeah. for part four. Yeah. But, uh, oh, it's like Beastmaster. Didn't, uh, no, I'm sorry. I was thinking Darkman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? No, but, uh, yeah, she was doing primary uh, dancer dancing roles in, up until the point that she got out of the demons. And, uh, and then after that, uh, she retired from acting, and she is a self-professed uh, pet pet psychic, and she talks to animals allegedly. That's what she does now. I know some other people that do that kind of stuff. It's weird. Also, horror personalities. Uh, that's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? A lot of horror personalities cross over from soap operas as well. Yes. And I. I have worked with several people on, on lower budget horror films that came out of the soap opera world. One of them that came from soaps, did horror stuff, and now is a pet psychic. <laughs> That's weird. So you got Kathy playing uh, Judy, yep. and then you got Amelia playing uh, Angela. You brought up um, uh, Linnea Quigley. Yeah, and uh, she's Suzanne, and of course she's been in. She's cool. one of she's, the legend, legendary. She's a, she's a real queens. scream queen. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. That's the thing. The term is so loosely thrown around now. If you're a female in a horror film, you're like, I'm she's a scream queen. queen. Yeah, no, no not really. Real. You know, there's she's a couple. One of the, she's one of the people that yeah. has, has the, that coined the term coin for me. Yeah, yeah you know. Um, but what what I thought was funny though is that she got she got the audition, or they they courted her because of her performance in in Return of the Living Dead. And she initially turned down the audition because she thought that she was too old. She was 30 years old when the movie came out. That's crazy. Yeah, she's 30 years old. She's playing a teenager. She thought she was too old. And so she was shocked when she got the part. But uh, at the behest of her age, and she, she uh, took the audition. That's so nuts because she looks young. Yeah. She's hot. You know, she looks like Linnea. She was doing those exercise videos at that time with the chainsaws. Hi, I'm Linnea Quigley, queen of the bees. I learned how to use a chainsaw in Iowa. My first beginnings, you know, was fixing my mini bike, which had a chain. And from the chain on the mini bike, I progressed to the chainsaws. Okay, the transition from being in Iowa and riding horses and coming to Hollywood with the chainsaws isn't, you know, I don't think that different. I think they're both, you know, things that, you know, women from Iowa do. Well, I think it's interesting because, you know, the Return of the Living Dead was that whole infamous thing with showing her, her snatch and stuff like yeah. that. And then she does it in this movie, too. I didn't know if they were linked at all, that the producers had 
I think they're just like, oh, this chick's comfortable right. with her body. Yeah, that's what, she's from what Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I think that she was one person. She always said she has a weird quote that I've heard a thousand times where she's like, my parents were doctors, so I'm real comfortable with my body. But clearly. But what is that mean like right. your parents are doctors <laughs> you didn't say my parents are nudists i'm real comfortable with my body you know like my parents are doctors there's <laughs> that that's weird <laughs> yeah so uh i mean hey i am gonna pause for one second Linnea quigley for anybody listening if you don't know she is a legendary screen queen i'm not sure it's still going but she had a indiegogo going to save her house in Florida. Oh, uh, if you look her up and she's still doing the Indiegogo, it may have ended recently. Uh, by the time this episode goes up, you might not, it might not be there. But if it is, drop her 50 cents, a dollar, five dollars, twenty dollars, whatever you have. Uh, she is a legend in our craft and I'd love Absolutely. to see her uh, keep surviving. So, uh, yeah, uh, but she met, met Steve Johnson on that. I mean, you say they ended up getting married. married. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the cool thing about Linnea Quigley, because she's married and maybe even before she was married to Steve Johnson, she was uh, real interested in makeup effects, because if you watch a behind the scenes interview, she's not one of those. It's like, and I had a plaster cast and it was suffocating me. She uses terms. She's like, yeah, I had alginate on there with three layers of plaster bandage. No, you know, she knows what she's talking about. And mm -hmm. it's uh, it's always refreshing to hear an actress portray it how it really is rather than so many times yeah i mean and it, she would show up yeah. on things like uh, a nightmare uh when they had the chest of souls and they need no, people yeah, absolutely uh, yeah you she, know pressing through the bodies yeah. and stuff well that's because, what i was going to say is is steve johnson's responsible for some of my favorite stuff that yeah. being one of them which is freddie's death scene yeah. in part four which is just a phenomenal showcase of of effects talent and yeah. stuff and also i actually only recently you think i would have known this is that uh He's responsible for one of my favorites, and I think an absolute underrated gem of a movie. And I hope that we can do a flashback on this soon. And uh, the what did I describe it? The uh, I'm on the edge of my seat. Man. <laughs> well, it's the buddy cop horror comedy zombie film, Dead Heat. Oh, Dead Heat. Yes. Yeah, that's. I love that movie so much. I love the effects on that film. I love the movie as a movie, mm. and just so many creative things that you know. You think uh, you think I'm a, a cavalcade of stuff here. You know, it's yeah. like that movie. That that movie inspires me every time I see. I'm it. afraid to talk about it because that'll end up inspiring somebody to do a remake. They'll be like, "Oh, we, you know, we got to remake Dead Heat." I so <laughs> wish it because I listened to the commentary of that recently. I won't go off a tangent on it. But they were they were actually intending on doing a sequel. Really? How the hell did they? I don't well, know. I, they wouldn't talk about what their plan was because if if anybody knows the movie, spoiler on this one, the one of them's already liquidating. He's gonna <laughs> die in a few hours, and then the other one is going to die within twenty four hours. Dead yet, cold. Maybe that's the sequel. Isn't that already a movie? Dead cold. Yeah. Cold seems like Dead? it. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, but absolutely love that movie. Anybody that's listening to this, if you haven't seen it, you owe it to yourself to watch yeah. that movie, Dead Heat. Yep. Yeah. Uh, for the effects alone, just absolutely. And that's Steve Johnson. He, what you just yeah. said about that being an underrated movie, I think Night of the Demons is an underrated movie. I think most of Steve Johnson's I have, career. I, I agree with you 100%. The only reason why I say so is because I mentioned Night of the Demons and people have at least heard of it. Lately, so many people I feel I, like I've never, lately, I've never heard anybody know what Dead Heat is unless they've already seen it. Lately, with the uh, kind of uh, vintage revival, online i feel like things like night of the demons and the crazier the the um title the stuff that i felt like was mine when i was a kid is popping up all over the place on instagram and like different uh etsy shops and stuff i'm like wow i don't know that all these people love this so much but they do now so i guess that's all that that matters and and maybe it's with some of the streaming sites i don't know what's available that people are are catching that they had never seen before but uh I just say underrated because back in the day, I mean, it had three sequels or two sequels. Oh, it was, it, it was a 13, trilogy. It made 13 million. Yeah. Well, movie. it played theatrically yeah. too. And that's the thing. And in the Fango days, like it was always that picture of Angela, like smiling, you know, and yeah. uh, or snarring her teeth. And, uh, but it was like it almost got left out of the mix when once DVD hit, you know, it wasn't big on DVD. It wasn't a big um cult classic as far as like oh special features and documentaries until right now they're making a documentary maybe they already have mm -hmm. um 
of of that. But uh, well, that's, well, and, and I, you know, because I know we're talking about Night of the Demons, but again, well, another reason why I say Daggy is because that's one of Vincent Price's last movies. Yeah, you know, and Darren McGavin's too. Yeah, and like you know, those are two legends right there, and like nobody knows about them. Right? How do they not know about that? You know? And it's the curse <laughs> of Steve Johnson because a lot of the now he's worked on some monumental characters. Um, like Slimer from Ghostbusters mm. and, and certain things like that. But uh, a lot of the movies he was responsible for doing all so the many, effects so many, uh, are either forgotten or people didn't know it was him. And, and it's a bummer because he's one of the greatest to me, one of my biggest inspirations in makeup effects. Didn't, I can't, I, I could be wrong. Didn't he get recognition for Greystoke? Uh, I mean, Rick Baker did Greystoke, but yeah. Steve Johnson worked with him on yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. I, I believe. Um, I know, I believe Rob Bottin was in on that too. I'm not that's positive. like kind of a dream team I ha- there. I have not there, so. thought of Greystoke in a long time. There's an awesome... That's, that's a forgotten There is one such a freaking awesome uh, uh, thing about... They shot it in England and Rick Baker went over to England and, and here we work long hours. We work 10, 12 hour days in the effects world. And uh, he got there and they are like, it's morning tea time. And they would stop the shop and go have tea. And then they would have like a uh, second, bre- it was like the Hobbit. They're like second breakfast or whatever. And they would take these breaks periodically. And Rick Baker's like, we're not done. And then they'd have a sculpt roughed out. And at that time, Rick Baker created detail. You know, he created what, what became fine detail and makeup effects. So they would they would say, oh, I'm finished with the sculpture. And he would be like, no, sir. Isn't that kind you of know? crazy that we're talking about that? And that almost seems like a forgotten thing, too. Completely. Even though forgotten. it was mainstream. Yeah. It was, you know. It was Some of the best ape looks absolutely. ever. Ever. I mean, the movie. Christopher Lambert playing Tarzan. We still use the underskull fiberglass chin bars that were developed for Greystoke today. I mean. Right now, those, I'm, those, I'm working on something. Those apes look real. They yeah. look. Oh real. man, the mechanical hands, yes. and he pulls the, their bicycle cable fingers, and wow, they were so good. They were awesome. Anyway, Greystoke is an incredible film, and you should research <laughs> it and watch it. Watch Grace Dead Stoke, Heat. He and Steve Johnson. Look, just look him up and go through his catalog. Do, I'm going to tell you guys a. Oh man, this is tough to put on. This is tough to do publicly, but in the first season of Face Off, of which, if you don't know, I was on. You he was baseball? he was intended to be the third judge. Oh, really? It was supposed to be Venial, Steve Johnson, and Patrick Totopoulos. Oh my God! And that's an all star. What happened? It's rumor and hearsay. I cannot be held accountable for this. For the I, it, this is rumor and hearsay. Glenn and Steve are very very good friends, and Glenn was traveling with Steve to go to some of the meetings at Sci-Fi, and the producers loved his look. And Steve looks like a normal kind of I mean, guy. I don't, I don't care what anybody thinks about Glenn. I mean, right. I want Steve all day. <laughs> but uh, but from, from the stories I've been told, Glenn was approached because he looked like... He a, had a look. He had a look. Where Steve looks like a nerdy guy. But if it was V. Neal, Steve Johnson, wow. and Patrick Totopoulos, that is wow. such an all-star panel. I think that would completely alter the whole It would have changed the whole game. It would have changed the whole show. And uh, and the thing is, is I'm not I'm not um, I'm not talking down on Glenn. I'm not talking trash on him. No, that's all what, I'm, all Steve, I'm that's saying. That's what I'm saying. It's Steve. It's Steve, Steve Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. I mean, that's that's in, wow. insane. So uh, yeah, he could have been the third, and that would have been that's such insane. an incredible cast of judges. But uh, we're actually going to get back to our flashback. <laughs> we'll flashback uh, but before that, let's do a word from our sponsors. Um, <laughs> flashback to the we do have a sponsor. We have a new sponsor, and I'd like everybody to go check them out. It's HorrorBox.com. HorrorBox is this awesome subscription-based uh, uh, box that you can order, and you'll get one once a month. And it has horror merchandise, memorabilia, and, and fun little uh, trinkets and, and, and stuff. Yeah, and it, it comes to you once a month. And... Um, they have a, a large subscription base. Uh, in the future, we'll be setting up something with Horror Box to do giveaways with you guys, and it'll be awesome. Badass. All right. So, in Night of the Demons, <laughs> we get to the uh, we get to the morgue. Uh, oh, yeah, we're okay, all ready to party. I, I, I want to. I need to. I need to because I, I have this whole like thing in my head about not about dead heat. But, no, no, no okay. about bookending the movie. It starts out. Starts out. With, you got Stooge. You got Roger, and you got Helen. Stooge is my favorite character. 
Well, funny, see, he's, he goes to the moon, this old man, to start out the movie, and he only flashes his underwear, because oddly enough, Hal Haven, who played him, he, he didn't want to show his, his butt. He didn't want to show his ass? Yeah, which is just so weird. The Night of the Demons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he didn't want to show it, so so instead he shows him his red underwear. And then, uh, I think it's just this like, weird little, little like, uh, happening, that good, because then all of a sudden, that the old man gets really pissed off, and then all of a sudden, Sal jumps out of the bushes, Another character uh, that's uh, in the party, just as nice coincidence of stuff. Sal jumps out and scares the same old man with his rat, and then the old man gets pissed off at him. And then you have Judy that comes along that tries to comfort the old man, help him out, and then he calls her a whore. <laughs> Clearly <laughs> she was. Yeah, calls her a whore. And then we see that he's not only a, 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 an angry old man, he's, for whatever whatever reason, a really psychopathic vicious old man because he plans on not only giving out apples to the children for trick-or-treat which is just psychotic in itself but he plans on on putting razor blades in them well as one should (laughs) we have to live up to the legend it has absolutely nothing to do with with most of the rest of the movie and it does end up playing back later into the movie but it's a it's it's uh more just, I guess, introduce the characters for some reason. Yeah. Because you don't see that old man again until the very, very end of the It's movie. like in Boogie Nights when the camera goes through the pool scene and you <laughs> meet each character. But it's just an old man getting his ass, like, scared and reamed out. And there's whores and apples. But yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but then they, they do go, well, after we, we meet uh, Suzanne and then Angela as they're, as, uh, as Suzanne's doing her, her thing, you know, because she's just overly sexed up and distracting the the guys at the, the liquor store while Angela robs the place, basically, to get some free booze. Do you guys have sour balls? Why, sure we do. Too bad. I bet you don't get many blowjobs. <laughs> you think you've got enough stuff? Come on, we don't want to be late to our own party. And then we basically met all the characters other than Jay, I guess, which is Judy's, Judy's O yeah. or whatever. But then, yeah, that gets the... What I love about 80s party movies, and it's always this thing, they're just like, and it's in Return of the Living Dead as well, with, with I just want to party. I just need to party. Let's party. Oh, come on, let's hang out. Yeah, eat a bowl of fuck. <laughs> I am here to party. We don't have that today. Kids don't walk down the street and be like, hey, what do you want to do tonight? I just want to party. And that's something that I I wish. Like, can't we just have a, let's have a party. We should have a party. You know what? I'm going to have a party. On July 6th, we're going to have a big ass party at the Monster Museum. You're all invited to party. We won't have razor blades and apples. We will have demons. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what I think is interesting about this this cavalcade of people, though, is it seems to me anyway, even though they all know each other, not many of them are actually friends. Right. I mean, they, but they're just there to party. But what's so funny is they treat they they treat Angela at least they, the way they talk about her. I, I mentioned this earlier. Like, yeah, like she's, she's some sort she's of the odd duck. Yeah. But they've all decided to go to her party at the creepy, <laughs> the creepy <laughs> crematorium. <laughs> but Judy doesn't know it is. And most of them don't actually know that it's a crematorium. Right. But they all decide to do this for some strange reason. And uh, and again, Angela actually seems like one of the more well-adjusted people, which I just sound very unusual. But until uh, her face is purple. Well, they, yeah, of course. But uh, that's not exactly her fault. Right. But uh, what what I so. She does that seance. That's like the weirdest thing she does. She does a seance. Yeah. And uh, seances were big in the eighties too. Yes. Like the gate. That was a good seance. Love that movie. I mean, here's the thing. We should have a seance at our party on July sixth. <laughs> I think. Well, I was gonna say though is uh, they summon the demon. Ellen gets freaked out, and uh, the mirror tips over. And it's a really cool shot. Is because uh, the glass breaks on the floor, and then one by one, the characters pop up into the glass and stuff like that, and on the shards on the ground. And uh, it's a really cool shot, but uh, only two people don't show up in the reflections. But everybody that shows up in the reflections, they end up dying. And so only two people aren't in the reflections, and that's uh, that would be Roger and Judy, and they, they end up living. They make it. Yeah, there's no actual connection to the like, actual. The like, mirror, so that's just foreshadowing. Yeah. There's no, the mirror is not part of the. Uh, well, mirrors are kind of demonic. I don't know. 
But what's uh, what's cool now is after that, the, the demon comes out, busts out, and it ends up uh, possessing Suzanne while she's doing her lipstick. She's got her mouth wide open and stuff like that. But this is this is it, man. When she sticks that lipstick through her titty, there is nothing, <laughs> what is nothing for on, a thirteen-year-old boy to hang on, hang on. I don't, know, about. I don't know if you made it because I, I got another observation prior to that. Is uh, she ends up kissing Angela? Yeah. And possesses her. Well, Angela's got these earrings on that are crosses. Oh, they flip upside. They down. flip upside they down flip after upside she kisses her. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they don't. You don't see them do it, but yeah, yeah. she's possessed, and then and then they end up being upside down. So this is, is cool one spot that they stuff. total. So I'm going to talk about the remake for five seconds because I'm not really a fan of the remake. Some stuff. I have some personal issues with it, but well, I'm we, not we briefly it. talked about but that. The remake was remade. It's almost the same, but it's not any better. It's not better. It's definitely worse. So why new. do they do it? There's nothing new. The one thing that they did that drives me crazy is that lipstick scene where the lipstick goes through the boobs. Looks fake as shit. In uh, the original was gelatin boobs. Mm -hmm. Those boobs cost like maybe 40 bucks to and make. And that fucking thing. And it, it like, looks beautiful. It, it blew my mind and freaked me out because I swore those were real. Yeah. I swear it was real and I was like, what the fuck just happened? It was before happened? CGI. <laughs> before CGI. It was, it was gelatin boobs with a lot of talent. If you haven't seen it, you should do it just for that scene alone. And in the remake, they did silicone boobs, which are way more expensive. They're more expensive to make. They're harder to paint. And man, did they look terrible. They looked horrible. Mm -hmm. And I just don't understand. A, 35 millimeter in the original is a, a godsend. And B, those gelatin boobs looked so real that from that point on. Why don't you tell them what, what happens exactly? What, the, the lipstick? What, yeah. I'm yeah, I mean, if you, if you got, oh, if you do not know. <laughs> I mean, I, I just picture everybody has seen this a thousand times. Hell but, no, we want to turn people on it. This is the thing. She takes her lipstick after going crazy and rubbing it, it off her face. Tears her shirt open. Tears her shirt open. And she pushes the tube of lipstick through her boob. And it's, and sticks her finger in it, her nipple, too. Yeah, and it's, no, it's not bloody at all. No, it's just weird. It's yeah. like acid trip. You're like, weird. what the fuck and, is that? And it was before CGI. <laughs> and it, it's just hard. I mean, it's one of the greatest effects in, in a... She just does it so nonchalantly, yeah. too. Oh, and that's, see, Linnea is such a class act of an actress. She can do that with such, you know. Yeah, uh, because the way we, we talk about it there, it's almost, you would think it was aggressive or, or violent. Crazy or and, funny. And it wasn't. It wasn't. No, it's just she weird just, like, and morbid. She's just and, sitting there drawing on herself and then drawing around her nipple and just, just, it's like she just decides to. Put it away. <laughs> Put it away. And you're like, what? It's the last thing you expect. Yeah. The first time you watch the, the last thing you expect to It's happen. one of those weird things where, like, this movie has incredible makeup effects, but that is what people remember. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a uh, part that they remember. So when they redid it on the remake, you think they would have tried a little harder. Yeah. And I don't know who did the makeup effects, and I'm not trying to bash the guys that did. It just wasn't shot right. There's a bar set. Yeah. There is a bar set. Yeah. And it's like, if I'm, re that's why, that's the one thing that I was complaining about, about remakes, even though I don't have a problem with them. If you're going to remake a classic, if Do you're going better. to attempt to, you know what the bar is, man. Yeah. You know, you have to at least meet that bar. Otherwise, what do you, what's your point? Yeah. What's the point of your existence? I love, I'm going back to Night of the Demons uh, and the makeup effects. I love Angela's teeth. I love how forcefully out her teeth are i mean obviously we we oozed about steve johnson but yeah. the effects i mean yes the they're, teeth, the, the they're effects incredible. are just absolutely phenomenal yeah. even even the the things you don't see but for a few seconds yeah you know absolutely phenomenal which is part of why they're phenomenal because you only see them for a few seconds and yeah. it is 35 millimeter film and you can i mean horror movies used to look well, I mean, cooler you know the transit i mean there's transitions between the demon effects too and i would yeah. say that suzanne's is probably the most elaborate oh, yeah. and and it's absolutely phenomenal yeah. too you know yeah but it, it's one of those things um so uh oh, did you know she had to practice uh gouging out the eyes no that scene yeah that's phenomenal fun that's my favorite death she day. had to practice yeah oh they, i thought you were asking me if i knew what she had no to no, no they, they, yeah she and, had to practice gouging out yeah. eyes for that scene but that's that, awesome that's great and they just did the thumb thing deal yeah, yeah. A, a great Man, it looks good oh, yeah that absolutely looks so good. i mean because i mean you think about it too back in that time when because they they didn't have the you know the the uh the materials that they have now so it was harder to it's make almost, realistic. But, so to me though 
they didn't have a lot of the materials we use today, but but based on the media they were working on, the lights and the and the cameras, it's better. No, what that's, exa that's exactly my better. point. Yeah. That is exactly the point. And I'm we've making. lost it. So people are like, oh, it's so cheap to make uh, films now because we can do it all digitally and we can do anything at home with editing and you know, blah, blah, blah. And not even the low budget. The big budget movies are shooting everything digitally. Well, we've had to step into territories makeup effects wise where we're using these high end products that look translucent that, you know, we can't fake it with a paint job anymore because these digital cameras shoot through everything. And, and I mean, the whole point is we're trying to pull off an illusion. Yeah, they're and, ruining the magic, man. Yeah. The smoke and mirrors are gone. So now we do it in real time. And now how do they fix it? They make it look like grainy old film. Well, why don't you shoot it on grainy old film? And then it would look great. And that that's well, something that... Well, because you have the assholes that are like, oh, what's this look Why like do I have white, an HD TV, you know? 4K, blah, blah, blah? And it's like, well, I don't know. 35 millimeter film looks better. It's mm -hmm. the 16's even better for a horror film. So it's, uh, you know, I miss, I miss those. I've only worked on, I'd say, independent wise, like six actual films that aren't video and uh, everything's video now. It's really hard. Anyway, um, if you guys remake Night of the Demons again, call 1313 FX. So what is your favorite death? That's it. The, well, it's not even the death. It's just her going crazy. Well, what's her favorite death? Um, there's not a lot of great death scenes in this movie. No, and there's a lot of disappearance. Uh, I just good. That I, I mean, the fantastic. the cutting in it is good. Well, because she initially digs, does a fake dig in, and it's him. And they do cut away, and you see tell it. But when they come back, you even though you know it's not really him, you're not. You're not uh, no, put off it, by it. You don't. You, you you're not. Your inclination is not to go. Oh, that's a fake head or right. anything like that. No, you know? and because it's cut well and it's lit right, mm -hmm. and that's the. I mean, Which that, if you can pull off a cut and and still have it believable, I think yeah. it's pretty huge. You know? And it's because they don't show a ton of it. You know, they don't they don't keep it on screen too long. Nobody's not wiggling it or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty good death. I'd say more than the deaths in the movie, though. I'm impressed by the. The demons and the possessing and the that I like the characters, you know, yeah. um, and that's kind of in my world altogether. I could do with every death being off screen as long as I can see really cool characters, you know. Um, but uh, I like the little little uh, tidbits like the earrings turning upside down. And, yeah, that's and now that you mentioned the mirror thing, that's an interesting thing because mirrors are like the gateway to another world, mm -hmm. you know, and that's. That's interesting. Well, they, I, I never noticed. And you know, I don't, I don't know how they set up that shot because, again, this is, you know, this is oh, just a trick angle and stuff. And yeah. but it's so great because it's not like they are sitting there and all of a sudden everybody's in the shards of glass. They're focused on the glass, and one by one, a character will pop into a piece. Another character will pop. It could into have been a, piece. a reverse shot. They could have all been no. there, and then they yeah. backed out of those yeah. shots, and then they played it's it in a reverse. Really great shot. It's, yeah. But I don't know because I remember them talking. And you can see them talk. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a phenomenal shot because you just see them all popping up into the. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then uh, wrap us up here. Well, we get to the. Well, as I started with the first end, then we go to the back end after it. After Roger and Judy have escaped, then, uh, then they're walking past the old man. Um, they're both. Is the last time we see them, and then of course he mouths off at both Roger and and Judy, you know, talking about her being a slut or something like that. And then uh, the old man goes back in the house, and his his uh, wife has apparently made him made him some pie and gives him a piece of pie. And, Such uh, a weird bookend too, because he had yeah, nothing to do with absolutely movie. nothing. <laughs> and you, this is the first time you've seen his wife too. You didn't even know he's back until it, now. It's basically thinner, <laughs> and. Uh, so he's all like, oh, pie. And then she says she made a homemade pie. And he's, he seems like homemade, you know? And then she says, yeah, we didn't have as many trick-or-treaters as, you know, as we expected to and stuff. I had to do something with the apples and the apples. And, and this is actually a really great scene, too. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the, the razor blades come just 
gushing through his throat. And uh, it has absolutely nothing to do with I, I wonder if that weird bookend is from another, like, short film that somebody wanted to do and never got to. Well, know? I know I know that that used to be, like, oh, one of the... Oh, that lore. Yeah. I've heard people... Razor blades and, and apples. Yeah. And, and everything but uh yeah he has absolutely nothing to do with the movie but it's a but it's a cool it's a cool segue to the credits though yeah is uh and and for whatever i mean i guess you just assume that he's just a complete piece of trash yeah because she is happy that she just murdered her husband and she's just like oh yeah you know what <laughs> i think that i always thought that she was going to become a demon like she's got to be in on it. Somewhere. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. you think there would be some some sort of connected thing, yeah. but there's nothing. And then there's part two, and they have nothing to do with yeah. it. So that's that's awesome. Uh, so on a on our hypno scale rating system, what do you give Night of the Demons? Ah, uh, I'm still not ready to break it, but I will go five. I will go five. Five out of five. Yeah, for the uh, because the the effects and so many iconic imagery. Uh, I mean that. I still wasn't as hardcore into horror as I ended up, you know, becoming. Yeah. And uh, but what a fun Halloween movie to absolutely. watch! I mean, I yeah. watched that movie every Halloween. I didn't, it was one of those things where I was just looking for something to watch, and I and that cover that you're talking about her teeth and stuff, and that that uh, yeah. that iconic imagery of Angel on the cover, and uh, and that sold me. I didn't yeah. even you know, and I got it, and just absolutely the the lipstick scene alone, you know, ingrained in my brain. I uh, I'll give it a five out of five as well. I I love 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 the movie. Um, here's my question for you. I I just said that I watch it every Halloween, and there's a lot of movies people gravitate towards every Halloween. Do you have like a top three that you watch every Halloween? And I hope you don't say there's one that I hope you don't say. I don't watch every Halloween. Oh okay. Uh, there there are go to movies. Yeah. You hope I don't say. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you can say it because so I'll admit if it would. So I, I always. It doesn't matter if I, if I run a haunted house or if I go trick or treating or if I throw a party. When everybody's gone, I, I put in a movie at, at Halloween, yeah. and it's usually. I mean, I will watch Halloween. Mm -hmm. That's a, a classic. I'll watch uh, Night of the Demons, and I usually watch Tales from the Crypt Demon Night, which is a weird one because it has nothing to do with, with uh, Halloween. But, uh, you know, lately and, and recently, we're going to get a lot of grief for this, but a lot of people have gravitated towards Trick or Treat, the movie with Sam, the yeah. little pumpkin head kid. And uh, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it, man. It's like, a, listen, I love Tales from the Dark Side. I love Tales from the Dark Side. I don't watch it. Every every minute of my, you know, it's not part of my religion where trick or treat has become this part of everybody's religion. I don't know if it's the imagery or they're really that impressed by the acting well, and yeah, story. But see, here's the thing, though, and you know, people can give me grief over this. Is it's kind of like uh, the comic book geek culture to me. It's just like they're not actually horror people. They're just like it's the idea of Halloween. It's the idea of horror. So therefore, it's like the commercialized. I mean, mentality. You know, I does that make sense? I enjoy the movie, and I know is that what the one you were saying that you hope I didn't say? Yeah. Oh, okay. I enjoy the movie, and I I know that it was a struggle getting it made and yeah. and put out there. I I totally respect the filmmakers. I just have such a hard time believing that that is somebody's Christmas story. You know what I mean? At Christmas, you watch Christmas Story, Christmas Vacation. Not a trick or treat doesn't fit in that for Halloween for me. I don't know. It's just not there. But uh, I would say I like trick or treat, that the other trick or treat better. With uh, is it Alice Cooper yeah, and, the, and yeah. Gene Simmons? <laughs> you know, that, uh, that came out first, didn't it? That's why it's Ozzy. It's Ozzy. That, yeah. That's why that's trick or treat, and the other one's trick or treat, right? Because yeah, because yeah, that yeah. one came first. Yeah, it came out way like '87. But uh, I prefer that, I think. Um, they're shredding guitars. and I like Shannon Elizabeth, but I don't take her seriously, you know? <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. Anyway, uh, Night of the Demons is definitely one of my Halloween movies, and, and I give it a 5 out of 5. I'm not breaking the mold on this one. I'm not overly excited because I have seen it 100,000 million times, but it's, it's always a good watch, and I like to show it to people that haven't seen it. My three, um, I would, I would probably say, Return of the Living Dead, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three, and 
Uh, I had it in my brain. Maybe the descent. I don't know. I really like that. Tomorrow. Really? Yeah. Um, I, love, I love the descent. Well, I got some stuff to talk to you about after this podcast. Okay. <laughs> I got some cool stuff. Okay. To talk to you about after this podcast. Uh, anyway. Uh, all right. Moving right along. Uh, we're going to get into our modern features now. And uh, modern feature being something that Jeff saw and I did not see. There's a surprise. <laughs> uh, but I have seen the original. Is it an original? It's not a sequel. But uh, we're going to. They are not linked to each other. We are going to talk. Clear they are not linked. We are going to talk Hellboy. Um, if you guys have not seen Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy or Hellboy 2 The Golden Army, they're great action packed superhero romps, fun, fun, fun flicks with great makeup effects. Uh, they have rebooted the series. It's in a darker fashion, from what I understand. And closer I've, to the source material. It's closer to the source material is what they say. I, I'll, I'll tell you what I what I was a little disappointed by, and I haven't seen the movie, but I have seen the imagery, and I have a love-hate with the way they made Hellboy look. He looks a lot like Ron Perlman as Hellboy. He looks a lot like that first Hellboy. And uh, for that, I say, it makes it easier for people that are not cinephiles, for kids, teenagers, to kind of include it in the series, because oh, that's no, why Hellboy no. looks. As soon as you see that movie, there's... It's different. Absolutely. There's, there's no mistaking the two. They're two different characters. They're two different universes. How come they didn't go blockier like a Mike Mignola drawing? Why isn't it rockier? You know, I, like can't, I can't tell and... you why, because Mignola was actually heavily involved in this movie. He was heavily involved and he was not that involved in the other ones. Uh, so it's very confusing to me. It's so weird. Um, I, I lo and, and I've been told, I don't know how true this is, that Guillermo del Toro wanted so badly to do another Hellboy. Well, he couldn't get financing. Uh, they were going to, but then he didn't. How do you not give an Academy Award-winning? No, 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 no. They were going to. He wanted more money than they were ready to give him because the budget ballooned from one to two, and he wanted even more money. And sure, but they didn't make money. First the movies didn't, didn't make money. No. Correct. Yeah. He wanted he wanted more money. <laughs> you know, and I can't. It's still a business. It know? is a business, but it's like this dude just put out the shape of water before that pan's labyrinth. Like, give him Hellboy. They, they were going to. Yeah. Just not as much money as they wanted. I mean, they were going to give him a budget akin to the second movie, which was still huge. Yeah. Okay. The second movie's phenomenal. The creatures are phenomenal. Here's the thing. We're talking about the new one. I loved some of it. I thought some of it was okay, and I really didn't like some of it. Yeah, it's a very mixed bag. It's so bizarre because uh, the movie starts out really strong, actually, and I think I'm going to absolutely love this movie. And then through just certain portions of the movie, it just completely takes a left turn in tone, and it can't decide what kind of movie it is. It feels like it's three movies sewn together. The movie's over two hours, but it feels it feels longer. And, but it feels like it should be even longer because it feels like it's multiple movies packed into one movie. And uh, I don't mind gore. I absolutely love right, gore. Right. But the movie, for the most part, starts off, I don't want to say lighthearted because it's still dark, but it's all comedic in tone. By the end of the movie, people are getting stripped of their skin, they're getting torn in half, and it just takes a hard horror turn. And you're like, wow. Does it, does it have the on? large demon stuff? Like in, in Hellboy, you have the demon dogs at the beginning and all these weird monsters. And yeah, there's, like there's, there's giants and all that stuff, and there's some really cool. The, the character designs are phenomenal. Most of the most of the effects are are phenomenal. The, where it gets a little weak is is the strict CGI stuff. And this is my my value for you to where I think you definitely need to see it eventually is the for the practical effects in it because there's yeah. a large amount of practical effects and it is amazing. It's phenomenal. It's beautiful. Uh, he will not replace Perlman in your eyes. I know that. Right. But I actually loved David Harbour in this movie. I absolutely loved him. Uh, I wished he had a better movie to be in because had he had a better movie to be in, I might have liked him better than Perlman. Yeah. Um, it was just strictly that script failed him. Uh, and I like the 
closer adherence to the source material. I really like it, but the movie betrays itself too many times that it's hard to stay on its side. Um, there's a great movie there. They just made too many miscalculations and too many mistakes that the movie suffers for it. And it's hard to end up recommending the movie despite so many things that I love about it. Right. It, it's uh, I think that the original Hellboy, I'll never forget when I first brought all my friends, I took up like 11 seats. I brought all my friends. They didn't know what the hell Hellboy was. <laughs> and I was so excited. The guy that brought us Blade 2 was doing Hellboy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we get in there and every one of those 10 other individuals other than myself disliked that movie. Oh, yeah. They all hated it. And I and I was so stressed out watching it. I was so stressed out. They just didn't get it. And they weren't, they just didn't get it. They didn't know it, you know. And uh, and so I left. And ever since then, I have a real hard time watching movies with people because I get like real stressed out whether or not they're enjoying themselves. So I, I tend to watch it just me and my wife or just me or whatever. But uh, the thing is with with the Hellboy series part two definitely was great. And I, I almost think it's a better movie than part one. No, I agree. But, it is a better movie, but they found an audience in video. They found an audience. Uh, I mean, the action figures sell the, the, the that merchandising. First, that second movie, it made about 70 million. I think if memory serves me about 65 to 70 million, which was a huge opening. Sure. And then it dropped 70%. Yeah. Which is, it's unacceptable in the movie business. Right. Absolutely unacceptable. And then only finished with, I think it only made like 120 after that. Right. You only, you only barely double your opening the rest of its run. Right. That's going to scare, uh, that's going to scare a studio. And I don't blame them. You know, uh, I, I absolutely wish I could have seen third one. I just wish to me, it's like, I, I'm just such a loyal purist of weirdness. And, and the thing is, is it's like they branded Hellboy as that, that specific leather jacket, that right-handed doom, that look, and then to switch to a new Hellboy. This is a very recent thing that we do with our superhero movies, is we pick up and move to the next version. And well, it bothers one, one me. One could argue, though, that they were going to the version, because I, that's what the source material was. No, I get the source yeah. material, but I'm talking more from the point of view of not 30 year olds, 14, 15, 16 year old kids that bought the action figures, that watched the animations, that that became Hellboy fans because of Guillermo del Toro, not because of an obscure comic book. And those fans are now handed a new Hellboy who uh, it is gorier. I could put Hellboy on in front of my kids because it's not gory. They don't swear. It's not it's not a thing. And then if my kids want to watch the new Hellboy, I have a six-year-old, they're not going to watch that new Hellboy. You well, know? what I had said is they made it clear that it's not the same one and how you can attribute that is because, uh, like, Abe Sapien's not in the movie, but then at the very end, they discover Abe Sapien. Right. Uh, in the middle of the movie, they don't completely retell his origins, but you see where he came from. It's clearly the same moment as we see in the Del Toro movies except for a couple of elements that are clearly not in del toro's version right. so they make it very clear yeah if you're thinking that you've seen well you kind of have but this is it's basically like they treat it like well you saw our version of it this is what really happened yeah. you know that's kind of how they treat it yeah uh but i actually i actually like that because uh what's his name uh thomas hayden church uh he shows up as a famous Hellboy character, and he's and he's only in the movie for about five minutes. Lobster Johnson, one of the best parts of the movie. In my That's opinion. awesome. He was great. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I uh, I would like to be open to watch it. I mean, I'm not against it. I, I you're not going to like the movie. I think it, I'm telling you right now, you're not going to. <laughs> then I won't watch it. <laughs> but I think but I think you should be for the practical effects because they deserve to be seen. Yeah, no, and I uh, I think the I've looked at tons of images. I love the look of of the movie. Um, and I will watch it. I will watch it. And uh, and there's some really cool ideas at play there. And I I honestly think that you are going to feel the same way I did. Just you're going to judge it harsher than I did. Yeah. I think you, that you're going to be like, well, that's a really cool thing. That's a cool thing. But then you're still going to come back to it. I still don't understand why this movie exists. I just don't know why they make it. Yeah, that's that's where it comes to me. And I know it's a money thing. I know it's a business. But the kid inside me says, please don't 
screw well, up. Well, this is the strange. Lineage. This is what's really strange about that movie, is this is why they made it. They made it to try and capitalize and start a franchise again. Uh, they made it for less than either the first two. Uh, but they're trying to start a franchise, and even though I don't mind it, and I actually like the idea and shift to a more mature thing, they make it rated R, which cuts down your audience considerably. Completely, especially with the and, character. And they went for a larger scope <laughs> than either of the first two movies and tried jamming far too much story into it. So yeah. it was like counterintuitive. You have less money, but they make it rated R, which cuts down your audience. And instead of making a more smaller, more intimate movie, which is what I thought they were doing when they went with a lower budget, they went for a huge grand scale and they tried jamming everything in the kitchen sink into its running time. And it's like, you know, it, it's, you could, you, I don't know this is what went down, but it's like, you know that studios get involved and know there's like warring sides right, behind right. the scenes. If that's what happened, I could totally see it. Yeah, I could totally sense it. I always wonder, I wonder if this kind of reboot idea, I'm going to all, I, I placed the reboot idea at Batman Begins. Because before that, if you had a Batman sequel, different director, different actors, but it didn't ever ignore the rest. You know what I mean? And then well, there was never a Superman movie up until Batman Begins, right? That that was like, oh, actually, none of that existed. This is the beginning. This is our new actor. I, I just feel like this whole, the rebooting the characters, like we saw with Fantastic Four. I don't care if you liked the Fantastic Four one and two, they didn't need to reboot it. They just needed to put another one out. You know what I mean? And they could change the characters. They could change the director. They could change the style. But don't take away our franchise. And that's where I feel with, with uh, Hellboy, like, did they? Well, did they have to? Did they have to take it back to round one? I don't think that that's a constant thing you can just apply to because I mean, like, I love Batman. <laughs> I love that they did what they did sure. there, and I do not like Batman and Robin oh, I at do. all. I know you do. <laughs> uh, it, but, but the reason why is because if they had just made a '60s Batman movie, which is what they were kind of leaning towards, right? If they had just made that. I think that movie would have been awesome, but they didn't do that. They tried making a continuation of this movies that came before it, right? Throwing sixties elements into it, yeah. so it's this weird Frankenstein uh, of Batman ideologies. What about Batman Forever? I like it better than Batman and Robin. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like them both, but I like I like Batman. it. Oh, I like I Bat love Batman. Forever. I like Batman Forever better than I like Batman Returns. What? Yeah. Nothing, really? nothing good happens to anybody in Batman Returns. Bullshit. What good happens to who? What good happens that, to me? I watched in it. In the movie. <laughs> in the movie. Oh, it's, my it's, God. It's too Tim Burton-y for me. It's a Tim Burton movie, not a Batman movie. Wow, I love Batman Returns. I didn't say I, I like love it. it. I didn't say I don't like it. No, I don't. I said I like Batman Forever better than Batman Returns. That's hey, this is a weird segue. Uh, Doug Jones, who is Abe Sapien, is in Batman Returns. Who's he? He's one of the, the clowns that's uh, ah, doing backflips okay. and miming. He's miming yeah. or something. But he's one of Penguin's like goons at the beginning. Yeah, um, I didn't say I didn't like Batman Returns. No, I, I, I know. I like Batman Forever better. That's cool. I love Batman Forever too. So And, and mainly, mainly it's because I love Bat the first Batman, Tim Burton Batman, so much. I think everybody does. And then... It became more of a of a Burton movie than it was a Batman movie, and I don't like that. Right. Uh, and to me, he got so he got blinded by his artistic freedom that he had in that movie. Yeah. That he forgot he was making a Batman movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in Hellboy, you say it sticks closer to the the mm -hmm. source material. Yeah. Do you think that Guillermo del Toro was blinded by his creative freedom and No, I don't think he had to do it. I think yeah. they let him do it, you yeah. know, which was fine because I like those I love those movies for what they are. Right. But they're not Hellboy movies. They are fairy tale movies featuring Hellboy that Hellboy is in. 
Right. But oddly enough, the reason why I didn't mind it as much as, as I say, as I do say the Tim Burton is because I didn't know the Hellboy character until after I saw these movies. Really? Yeah. I mean, I knew, I, his, never I, knew, would his, have I knew his character, yeah. but I didn't know the source material. You hadn't read Hellboy no. beforehand. No. And then I, I never would have guessed yeah. that. And I, I got familiar with it and I'm like, <sighs> that's funny. Yeah. That's really so funny. So that's why it was easy for me to accept the Del Toro movies because I. Because they came first. Before yeah. You. And as far as I was concerned. Oh, that's Hellboy. And then I, I found out I wasn't. I wasn't I wasn't just like a diehard Hellboy guy. And I'm still not the comic books. I, I like them. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not head over tails for them. But I love the art in them. And uh, so when. That's how far as I was, was Mignola's art. When Del Toro uh, created uh, Hellboy, I was pretty judgy. I was like, what the hell? This looks like Power Ranger characters or something. How about this? I was so ignorant to what Hellboy was that anytime I saw a picture of Hellboy, I thought his cut horns were goggles on his head. Oh. (laughs) That's how how in the dark I was about Hellboy. Yeah. Yeah. I knew, I mean, I used to read the books, but I didn't, I didn't seek them. I I didn't get them in order. I didn't get the graphic. I was more of a DC guy for the longest time. Yeah. You know. Um. That's interesting. Well, we had a dark horse store in uh, in Universal City where I was living at the time, and so we. Well, it's small town. It was actually hard for me to get yeah. comic books for a long time. Yeah. You know, I got them at the, just the little corner store. So you say that uh, the new one is closer to the source material, but it also is all over the place. Mm-hmm. What do you give it on a one out of ten? Oh, that's. Before you do that, what do you is there is there a big bad or is there a yeah? Uh, yeah. What do you give? And the, she's cool. Yeah, oh, it's she. Yeah. Okay. Mila Jovovich. Oh, okay. She's the Blood Queen. I thought she only was in Resident Evil movies. <laughs> well, they stopped making. <laughs> oh, wasn't her husband doing it? Yeah. They're gonna re. They're gonna reboot as a series, I think, on Netflix. Of course, they're reboot, 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 but reboot. I, well, they they add the word boot and think we forget the word make. But no, but see, well, it, they can call it remake, whatever. The, I, I'm okay with that because, as a fan of the games, I want to see something more akin to the games because none yeah, of those I never, are. I never played the game. I love Resident Evil One, and I love, love, love Resident Evil Three. Extinction. That's my favorite. Yeah. It's three. Yeah. It's a. Uh, that's all I care about. Well, see, the first ten minutes of Part Two is as yeah. close as they get to the games. Yeah. And then Alice shows up. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's Alice movies. So. Uh, well, uh, cool, cool, cool. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. So, well, one out of five. What do yeah, we do? We what usually do one out of five. Let's do one out of. Let's do one out of five. Oh, shit. For the oh, I'm gonna do two things here. For the effects, for the effects and practical effects, I give it four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah. I'd have gone a straight five. But I don't know. I've well, only looked no, at but, photos. But there's CGI in it. Oh, they add CGI to it. There's some too. CGI in it, yeah. and, and and there's some parts in it where you're like, that is some horrible CGI. And it, you know, oh god, I know some people that worked this movie, mm, yeah. and uh, they did incredible yeah. work. So so I got a knock off a half point because of that shitty CGI. I, I, I and, that uh, makes me scary to see it. It's not but, a lot of. There's not yeah. a lot. It's the, the practical All right, effects. Four and a half. Uh, and, and when when they meld it too, it's it most 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 parts fine. Yeah. But there's some straight CGI shots. You're like, what the shit is that? Yeah. Uh, and then as far as just the movie goes, I have a one. Wow. Uh, one out of five. Wow. Yeah. What do you give the Del Toro ones? Uh, I give the first movie a three and a half. I give the second movie four and a half. Fair. Fair. Okay. All right, and now we move on to everybody's favorite segment. Kill Waleed. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nobody's oh, dying yet. Coming. Nobody's dying yet. <laughs> Will he survive? <laughs> I come from the land of the Irish Spring. Dublin's the place where I learned my thing. From the Emerald Isle to your place in the hood. I'm the man of green, come to do no good. Left in the hood, come to do no good. Left in the hood, come to do no good. Lucky Charms. Jeff, 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 Jeff. Versus, versus, versus. The Leprechaun. Oh, 
arms after me pot of gold. <laughs> his shilling, his pot of gold. He's always got something else he wants. Hey, before we do this, I have a theory about the leprechaun. Oh, we'll save it. We'll do leprechaun in a I future know episode. Is. I've heard it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Go it. for it. Well, who, how, how do you, how do you, can you, will you, what's it going to take to beat the wee little man? Now, you know. I've actually thought about this. I've actually thought about this before. You think about it if you give people up. Well, I mean, there's so many. We did the yeah. we did the uh, marathon, of course. And then, you know, of course, we have the display in here. You yeah. know, and that anytime I do the museum check, oh, he's right there. He's right there. Like, yeah, no, you're eyeballing me, man. What would you do if I took a piece of your gold right now, huh? <laughs> and you came after me? What would, what and he's would, like, that's plastic. Right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I've thought about this, and uh, and so you know, you're like. What weapons would I have at my disposal? What kind of strategy could I come up with? You know, uh, would I have anybody on my side to help me? In it? And ultimately, totally fucking die. <laughs> totally fucking die, man. I mean, it's a good thing. Weapon the hood's up to no good. So that's our show. Before we wrap this up, I want to introduce our producer, Waleed. And I got a new segment for us, and it's called Waleed's Top Three. What? You got to tell us your top three horror films. Just of all time? Uh, let's go slashers. Off the top of your brain, what's your top three favorite slasher films right go. now? Go. Uh, Friday the 13th, part four. Yeah. That was the best one. Um, Shit. I don't know. You can't put me on the spot right now. That's what I do. Uh, uh, it's just dead this, air. This, this, this is a retroactively, I mean, you could, this is not like it's etched in stone and somebody would be like. It's of the moment. Some, it's going to be on the internet. It's going to be etched in stone. Okay, so Waleen's top three is a new segment we're going to do, so be ready for it. All right. And that means I'm going to get a top three of whatever I want out of you. It might be top three, uh, top three kills, top three movies, top three werewolves, top three sets of boobs. I don't know. But right now. Top three slashers. We have Friday the 13th Part 4, which is a very, very solid number one. A ton of time to think about it now. Go. <laughs> I'll just leave you guys talk because that's what I'm here to do. Um, I, the, I had the Halloween one earlier. <laughs> Halloween on. right. parts. Oh, wait. Hold on. Oh. I can think about this longer because I'm the one editing no it. No shit. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to do what I do and go blah, blah, blah. Cut all this out. Friday the 13th, blah, 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 You don't have to say it because you're like, <laughs> he literally cuts it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally going to have this in later. I can have way long time to think about it. And, um, uh, uh, you know, what's Texas Chainsaw Mask? Fuck two? yeah, it does. Part two? Does that count? Sure. Because that one's Does he slash right? people? Fucking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And you know what? I'll throw a new one in there. Uh, uh, Terrifier or what? Really? What you, you enjoyed Terrifier? That clown one? I've heard that great things. It was super great. fucking creepy and cool, and it reminded me of like uh, just a really old school movie. And I recently watched that one, and it popped in my head right now. So. He told me it was Puppet Master Little of Strike. That's what he told me. That's not. A, is that a slasher? That's movie? A, I call that a tiny terror movie. It's yeah, it's like creepy dolls or something. You know. Yeah. You anyway, I've seen it. How do you know? Well, I mean, it's their little dolls. They slash. Uh, yeah, but that's Tiny Terror. I have a, no. I have some categories that I've made up, and one is Tiny Terrors, and that's a thing. But uh, so, Waleed's top three is Friday the Thirteenth Part Four, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two, and I'll throw in the model one with Terrifier. You've heard it here first, folks. This is Midnight at the Monster Museum. I'm Tom Devlin. This is Jeff, and that's Waleed. My uh, my my Halloween go-to one is Ernest Scared Stupid. Heck yeah! That's it.